Hello and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. My name is James, your host. I started this podcast to help other folks share their own healing stories and to interview thought leaders and experts in the carnivore, keto, and low oxalate space. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to Equip Foods and the Carnivore Bar. As an affiliate, you can use the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products when you check out using the code CARNIVOROUS. Thanks in advance for listening, subscribing, and any likes or shares. And now, on with the podcast. Welcome to Carnivorous Chats. It's James, your host. I always say this, folks, but I am super excited to be graced with the presence of Mark Ritz from Carnivore Snacks today. Mark, welcome to Carnivorous Chats, my friend. Hey, man. Super pumped to be on the show. I really want to thank you for taking the time out to chat with me today, Mark. It's a real honor because I'm a huge fan of everything that you guys have been putting out, especially since I've been around almost since the beginning. And to see how the company has grown and thrived in this market. Really, really proud to have you on and to be talking to you today about how you did it, what you do, and what's coming next for Carnivore Snacks. Yeah, man. Hey, I can't thank you enough for, for being there uh, since the beginning. It's it's pretty wild to still engage with and, and speak with a lot of the people that were there for the Kickstarter, and they just continue to support and buy, and we just continue to make great products. I can recall, because I had Danny Vega on my podcast earlier, when Danny and Maura made their first little promo video. And I was like, I got to try this stuff. And boy, it is delicious. I held up to you earlier and I'm going to just try and sneak and see if I can get this in the camera view. But folks, here's my ribeye. Make sure you go out and buy some of this stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. If you haven't tried it yet, grab it and get it because it is delicious. Mark, let's dive right into it, if you don't mind, sir. Let's talk about the why of carnivore snacks. How did it come about, the concept, the idea? I know Sylvia, who's uh, unable to be joining us today, it really started with her desire to find a snack that was clean because of the health issues she was having. Am I correct? Yep. She, uh, you know, she kind of started off as like a biohacker, kind of in that biohacking space, really just trying to optimize her health to cure some underlying, you know, ailing issues. And a lot of it was a focus on diet and she, she shifted into veganism for a while and it just straight up didn't work. She deteriorated more and, as a biohacker does, they try new things. And she found the carnivore diet and she hammered it out for nearly three years because it just worked so well. And she was strict carnivore for almost three years. Like we're talking meat, salt, water. And it really changed her life. And um, one of the struggles she had while doing it was that it was just the kind of the snacking that was missing and she would commute long ways to work. I think she was like almost a two hour drive at that point she was in California. And so she really wanted to figure out something that she could make or buy and obviously learned there was nothing out there to buy. And so she started playing around with some stuff in her aunt's facility where she had some equipment and landed on carnivore snacks. I'll just, if I can take a second, the listeners obviously know my journey pretty intimately because I share a bunch of things with folks as we begin to talk. But, you know, Sylvia's and my journey are very similar, I can tell you, in terms of what happened. Being a vegan and having such severe gut dysbiosis towards the end where I was really reacting to every food. When I decided that I had to add animal foods back into my diet, and I mentioned to you that I saw such a profound change with just doing that simple thing, I was looking for something very clean a couple of ingredients that I could snack on being a carnivore, which 
led me to you guys through the Danny Vega video back in the day and was so pleased that someone had put this out in the market because like her, I was reacting to everything. I know she had problems with pepper and onion. And to this day, I mean, I can still have some effects with stuff that has spices. If I eat some jerky, for example, that has different stuff in it, but I'm so pleased that you guys did this for the community in the way you did. Yeah, it was, that's exactly why she did it is because she reacted to some things that you know, not that might not even get a negative reputation in the ingredient conscious market. You know, I mean, spices, uh, marinades, you know, those those aren't awful. That's not like sugar. That's not like any sort of manufactured type food out there. So but again, some people react to those things. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people uh, out there that it does. And so there there was definitely a market for two ingredients. And while we're on the subject of the two ingredients, let's talk about what those ingredients are and where they're from. I know you guys in the beginning really partnered with White Oak, uh, excuse me, White Oak Pastures because of scalability and the size of their operation. And the other one is Redmond's Real Salt. Talk about how you guys got involved with them, if you wouldn't mind. For sure. Uh, Red, Redmond for us was a no-brainer, just incredibly mineral-dense salt, uh, such a such an important mineral to consume daily. And with a lot of options out there, Redmond has just really made noise in the carnivore space and in in the, the cleanliness uh, space is what I like to call it. Um, so that was an easy decision. Now, when Sylvia reached out to me and we ultimately ended up partnering up on this business, we really wanted to be a representation for meat during a time when it's being wrongfully vilified. And in order to do that, we wanted to source the absolute best of the best out there. A lot of the argument on the vegan side is the environmental impact. With regenerative agriculture, that's the style that's proving to basically give that side of the argument no place. If it's storing more carbon in the soil than what's being emitted, then there is no negative impact. And so there is no argument left. And so we said, all right, we're going to commit to only sourcing from regenerative farmers. And then we also wanted to really support the U.S. supply chain. And so all of it comes from the U.S., U.S. ranchers. And yes, we started off with White Oak. They do a phenomenal job over there. They're really spreading the word about regenerative and we love them. As for the product, as we grew and started to add more supply, the product is coming out better from, from other farms. And so we want the best product possible. And so we, we don't source from White Oak anymore, but, um, you know, Thousand Hills in Minnesota, Joyce Farms in North Carolina, Hickory Nut Gap in North Carolina, those are major suppliers for us. Yeah, it's interesting. As I mentioned to you earlier, I had Philip Meese from the Carnivore Bar on, and I know he uses Joyce Farms as well. And the listeners know I was born and raised and I'm coming to you now from the beautiful island of Bermuda. So we're out here in the middle of the Atlantic. But one of the few regenerative farming places that I can get from is Joyce Farms here. So most of the meat wow. I eat is Joyce Farms meat, which is great. And I just love what they have. How did you guys, you mentioned briefly, but how did you guys link up and why did you link up? I know there was a synergy there in terms of your marketing capabilities and Silvio was the the sort of chef behind the carnivore snacks initially. Yes, it's it really is a beautiful business, friendship, marriage type thing. Um, she reached out to me asking if I knew anybody who could make a website because she was a supporter of my first business 
which ultimately failed. And, you know, I can't say failed because it's given me everything I have now, but that's how we became friends. Cause I found her and, and she did some content for my first business. And, uh, yeah, when she reached out, I just asked her to send me some product and she did, she sent some. And when I tried it, I was like, this is going to be it. Like, this is going to be game changing. I would love to build this business for you. If you can just continue to make a great product. And um, obviously we've built this together. I didn't build it by myself by any means. That's how we connected. We even did some podcasts together where I, I had a podcast called the No Diet Podcast. And I got into this meat series when I became super passionate about meat because of how wrongfully vilified it is. And she ended up co-hosting like four or five different episodes. We interviewed the guys from um, North Star Bison and Today, as I'm talking to you about 45 minutes ago, we just launched a bison product. And so that that comes from North Star Bison. And it was cool. We we got to kind of create these relationships in the space, her and I. And then ultimately, a couple of years later, here we are, you know, buying a bunch of meat from them. So really interesting that you just said you literally just launched that bison product because I was going to ask you about that. Just before we got on today, I was like, let me just go through the SKUs on carnivore snacks. And I saw the bison thing there. I'm like, Hey, that looks new. I didn't even see that at KetoCon. That's pretty cool, man. Um, what? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, mainly it was our customers. Um, they were really wanting a bison product. We knew we wanted to go with uh, North Star Bison. It just so happened that we really just focused heavily on beef in the beginning, just because from who we were sourcing, we were so committed to supporting the farmers, right? Like. The problem with farming is, especially like you think about carnivore snacks, our top selling product by far is ribeye. If I go to a farmer and I say, hey, I just want to buy up all your ribeye, that's not that's not really super helpful to them because they're in the market of moving the entire animal. There are some farms and some systems out there that can help these farms move all of their animal by finding them different customers that buy different cuts of meat. And I really believe in that model more than I ever have. But we were so focused on launching new beef products so that when we come to them, we were the most appealing customer possible. And we could buy seven, eight, nine different cuts at one time in one purchase order. And ultimately that would, would benefit them the most. So that's what kind of took so long to move into the wild game or game space. Um, but there is a, a ton of stuff in the pipeline when we're talking about exotic animals and, and game meats. Can I can I ask about one that's one of my favorites? Elk, maybe at some point. Uh, it's <laughs> funny you ask. Um, we've tested it. Yeah. Um, we haven't been able to land on a recipe that we're comfortable with. It's just re it's such a lean, 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 lean meat. It is that it's it's coming out with our recipe. It's coming out more dry than we'd like. So we have some ideas to fix that. We just got to make sure that uh, from whom we uh, source from their processor will be willing to mix some stuff together. Mark, let's let's go back if we can a second, and then we'll come back to some of the new product offerings towards the end. I'd, I'd really like you to talk to the listeners about some of the issues when you guys first started out in the R&D phase and things that you ran into that were challenges for you guys that you had to overcome. Because when I was at KetoCon, I listened to Sylvia talk on the entrepreneurial panel with Philip as well. And it was such a great conversation, especially for those that are starting out their own business and not realizing the magnitude of sometimes what they're facing. And 
how you have to pivot sometimes when you get into things. So I know one of the things that you struggled early on with was the co-packing side, but yeah, please let us know what you, what you did and how you accomplished it. Well, I mean, I'm glad you bring up the co-packing stuff because when we first started the business and we launched a Kickstarter before we even had a product, we were full fledged planned on having a co-packer and there were some things that happened behind the scenes uh, that were just red flags for us. You know, a lot of these co-packers just couldn't emulate what she created. And that was about four or five months of nothing but just test product being sent back to us that fell very short. And half of that could be blamed on us not willing to really give out the exact recipe, but to give out a wrong recipe and, and see if they could actually emulate the wrong recipe and they couldn't even do that so ultimately we just said i just told sylvia i was like we're going to do this ourselves. like what you're doing by yourself right now i can figure out how to build a team for you and we can do it now obviously that didn't come without challenges as we began to grow equipment changed and that's been probably the biggest hurdle because when you get new equipment you got to figure out how to adjust things to make the same product come out. And so that's probably been the biggest challenge with the growth side of things is just continuing to, to make the same quality product, not even the same quality product, but just the same product in different equipment. Yeah. And I heard you say, which made so much sense to me, is that as you grow, you you can scale and have better pricing margins. And early on, what you realized as well is that everyone's got to get paid and they're all looking ways to cut those margins down. So some of the packers, for instance, wanted to add stuff to increase the shelf life of carnivore snacks, things like vinegars and other vacuum sealing techniques or whatever it was. And it just was yep. all ending up costing more than you needed it to at the time. Right. And in an already tight margin space doing meat products. Yeah. And I mean, look, if, if uh, that's why you're not going to find us in retail, um, I don't know if we'll ever be in retail because they do. They want long shelf life and that requires a, an additional ingredient or two. And it's just not something we're willing to to do. Really, by the way, love the rebrand you guys did recently too. Love the new bags. Love the new look. Was that your brainchild, Mark, as well? That was definitely the work of an agency that we partnered with. But obviously, we got to explain what the brand feel is, how we communicate, what the messaging is, what what what's important. And then they kind of bring it to life and then we approve it. So um, a lot of credit to our agency. One of the other things that I know that you talked about, which was, again, eye-opening to me because I'm, I'm not in this space, but maybe one day you never know, <laughs> getting in that entrepreneurial product launch stage, who knows, but was the whole validation process that you had to go through as well. Please let us know how that went. That's that's tough because you come out with with a recipe and um, th and it's great and people love it and you know you don't want to change anything but but then as more and more people want to buy it the USDA is is what oversees uh, validation um, to make sure that you're making a safer consumption product it's super nuanced I don't fully believe it at all but at the same time. You know, we do respect it and uh, it's just kind of how we have to do things. But yeah, it was absolutely a challenge, um, but we've achieved it. And uh, now we can continue to move forward and people 
absolutely love the product. So it's really worked out for us. Another thing that I really respect about you guys is that you were committed to using product facilities and keeping everything in the US. And when I heard, and I never realized, I've said that a lot on this podcast, but as I tell my listeners all the time, Mark, every day is a learning day. And being from Bermuda, I'd really, we have to import everything. So it's not a surprise, pretty much everything living on an mm -hmm. island in the middle of the Atlantic. But I didn't realize that once some foreign meat lands in the US, that as long as it's cut up in the US, that it can be called US meat. That blew my mind when I heard that the first time. Yeah, that practice has been going on for a super long time. And White Oak Pastures has done a good job of bringing that awareness uh, to consumers. And the consumer, I think just passion has shifted. It's pretty wild to see how passionate uh, people are about keeping supply chain in the US. I mean, I know we were as just business owners ourselves, but it's been a humbling experience to just hear people say thank you for doing that. And, you know, we're, it makes us feel great because we feel like we're, we've made the right decision. And I'll tell you what, most of these companies that have created really successful businesses in the carnivore space, a lot of them are getting their stuff from New Zealand. Look, regenerative agriculture is great out there. It's and they're they're definitely setting a really good standard. We could get meat for fifty percent less there if we wanted to, and be more profitable. But it's just something that it's just not part of our core culture. Again, so proud of you guys for doing that, and also supporting job creation in the United States through everything that you're doing. I mean, it's it's just a great way for a company to build. So kudos to you guys again. Another little tidbit that I, that I listened to is from, and this was one from Silvio and I listened to a podcast earlier preparing for today was that if the cows are fed pellets containing grass, you can call the meat grass fed, which yeah. again, blew my mind. Oh yeah. Most of what you see that is labeled grass fed is not grass finished. And some of it is, and it was pretty crazy. We didn't expect this ever in, in our in the time of running the company, we were getting a lot of requests for a grain finished ribeye product. And we were a little bit stubborn to, to saying no to that for a while, maybe a year and a half or so. And as we got more requests come in, we started to do a little bit more research and started to talk to some farmers and some high, uh, just people that are really well known in the regenerative space and say, Hey, is regenerative possible? Can can grain be you know a part of a regenerative system? And um, the gentleman that I talked to really told me just a great story about a farm that he knew that was growing their own heirloom grain on their farm, right? So not going out and buying maybe some U.S. or you know USDA certified organic grain. Um, or buying any industrial grain or corn and all that stuff. They're growing it heirloom on their farm where they're raising their own cattle. And so where we get our grain finished, that's, that's how it is. And that's a really good feeling to know that it's part of their own regenerative system on their own land that they're regenerating. And so uh, that's that's how we made our decision to say we feel comfortable enough to launch a grain finished product. And the reason why people were requesting is because grain finished is different. It's got different marbling, sometimes more marbling, and the flavor 
the flavor can absolutely be different. And if somebody prefers that and, and we can prove that it can be part of a regenerative system, then we weren't going to ignore it. Super interesting, Mark, because in my conversation with Philip and you know, the nuances of his design of his product, he went initially with grain fed and then moved away from grain now back to just strictly grass because of how his product in the production stage uh, goes for the, the pemmican style product doesn't really work for him. And again, I was going to ask you guys, ha have you noticed any nuances that you had to add in creating a grain finished product like the ribeye that you have? Not really. I mean, we ran it against our recipe and it came out pretty damn good. So it's, it's worked out really well for us. And it's, it's interesting because of what you just said, how those regeneratively raised grain finished products, the blooming of those grains and continue to be regenerative probably has it, not probably, definitely, I'm sure it has an impact on the end result in the product as well, which is different than the typical grain finished, grain fed, you know, mass produced stuff, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, we, we certainly believe that doing it that way is a much more nutrient dense uh, diet for uh, the cattle. Mark, let's go into a couple of things that I'd like to talk about with you. Let's talk about a day in the life of Mark Ritz right now. What does that look like for you being the co-founder of Carnivore Snacks? How do, <laughs> what, what is it? Probably a pretty crazy day, I'm sure, dealing with stuff. Well, it looks a lot like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, <laughs> that's how I would explain it. Um, you know what? I, I appreciate, um, the life that I have, it's definitely doesn't come without its stresses as the CEO. You know, my job is, is to continue to drive the business forward and to grow and to help, um, the world discover that we're here. And for me, it's just all about building the team that can kind of, that I can express that, that culture too. And we've been very lucky enough to build in a phenomenal team at our warehouse. We got almost 30 employees now on the digital side. You know, we obviously we have a few contractors, but uh, we got two employees that helped me out full time. And so a lot of what I used to do, they, they help out with now a lot. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm dealing with all the fires. I'm putting all the fires out and I have no problem doing that. I love just, I love leadership. I worked for Costco for 12 years behind the membership desk. And I do miss, I actually miss that a lot because I got to talk to people, just a different person every, you know, two to five minutes. And so I'm a, definitely a people person. And um, it's been super important to me to leave my office, even though I'm, my talents are best behind the computer and be able to drive down to our warehouse, 10, which is 10, 15 minutes away, 12,000 square foot, and just continue to engage with our employees and express our, our appreciation. And obviously there's some tough conversations, but yeah, man. I mean, my day is just wake up four in the morning. My kids wake up at eight. So I work for about four hours. Once they get it up, I hang out with them for a couple hours. I get back into meetings and then usually about one o'clock or so I head over to the warehouse for three or four hours. And then I'm back by about five o'clock and, and I shut down. That's what, what my day looks like. But hey, my day could be different. I just deal with different things every day. So about 30 odd now employees total for the company? Yeah. That's you're good. You guys are getting getting bigger, man. That is great. Really good. And uh, we are. 
meeting the demand, I'm sure, because it is definitely rocketing. Everywhere I turn on my social media platforms, I see someone plug in carnivore snacks. The message is getting out there, man. I, I, I've said it enough today, but congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you're right. I mean, look, the, the demand is it's out there. It's tremendous. And I think the biggest challenge for our business moving forward is just going to be supply. But regenerative agriculture is really, really blowing up. So as long as that keeps up with our demand, I think we're going to be just fine. Yeah, that is the key. And it's ultimately what everyone wants and what we should want for the planet. We have to have these ruminant animals, the regenerative ag, sequestering carbon. It's just totally necessary, despite all the mistruths that have been out there. I've told folks in the past, and I'll tag the episode that I had Jane Buxton, who's the author of The Great Plant-Based Con on. I interviewed her. Mm -hmm. And she was just talking about the misinformation that is rife surrounding, especially ruminant animals out there in the environment, which we talked about earlier. It's just crazy what they're talking about. They, the orders of magnitude by, by which the folks are putting out, you know, that they're saying they're contributing to the ozone is just ridiculous. And she's, she did all her science backed information in her book, which was, which was great. So I'm glad that we have a chance to talk about it and really set the record straight. Let's now talk about, we talked about a day in the life of Mark Ritz. Let's talk about, let's talk about a day in the life of a carnivore snacks product from start to finish. What is sort of the production line, if you will, Mark, so the listeners can understand it. Without obviously giving out any recipe stuff, because that is, that's the only thing that we got, man. We order direct from the farms. Okay. And there it's, it's delivered by semi and we unload it. And it goes into our, you know, we got a couple big old freezers and we have a huge, uh, uh, like refrigerated room where our team comes in and does all the, all the processing ourselves. And, um, yeah, once, once they do that, it, it, it gets cooked and it gets packed up, hand packed, by the way, hand packed, no, no machines, nothing like that. Um, hand salted, no machines, nothing like that. And that's, I mean, that's it. And then we've got our fulfillment team. And I think that that's why it's like, yeah, sure. We run into some issues where like maybe a piece of equipment come down or, or, or go down and then we get a little bit behind on shipments, but we pride ourselves on being very, very, very quick. So if everything's up and running, we're fast, you know, we control the whole customer experience. So if there's ever an issue with someone's purchase, our customer support staff's phenomenal and we can, we can fix it really easily because the person who is communicating is right there next to the product. So, you know, I mean, it, it's really not a complicated process. Um, it's not a process that many people or manufacturers uh, are willing to do because, you know, it takes a lot more time than traditional jerky. And I think that's just a big reason why we haven't seen a product like this out in the market. So again, we stay we stay true to 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 what we do to make sure the product continues to come out uh, like that meat pastry that Danny Vega came up with by the way it's all over our trade show materials it's all over our website all the credit to him and and that is a, a really good way to describe like our ribeye and and some of our cuts that have more fat it really is more like a meat pastry it's not so much like a meat chip it's not like a jerky it's really hard to explain to people until they've tried it. But meat pastry is, that's a really good explanation. It definitely is. And once you get some of the fattier cuts, like the ribeye and the brisket, it just melts in your mouth. It, it's no other way to describe it. It literally starts melting in your mouth. And what I love about it too, is that as you and, and Sylvia often talk about, is that you, if you're in the keto space, if you're in the paleo space, you can use it as a dipping, especially with your sliders, as a dipping tool, 
uh, you can, it, it's so versatile with the recipes and there's so many other uh, folks out there that are so much better chefs than me that are using. I just eat them straight. I can hardly, once a bag's open, it's done, man. It's gone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's easy to go through it. And I always like to kind of, I don't know, I can never really explain the story fully, uh, but I think Nina, it was Nina Tights, tight. how do you say her last name? Tightholtz? Tightholtz. Tightholtz. Thank you. You know, she really, uh, through her book, she goes into kind of like the end of fat. And it has to do with one of the presidents. Maybe it was like FDR or something. He had a heart attack. And once he had a heart attack, you know, some some big name doctor tried to blame it on, on saturated fat. And so once he blamed it on saturated fat, all these companies, there you go. You're holding up the book, The Big Fat Surprise. That's it. All these companies listened to this doctor. And then they started to make products fat-free and everything tasted like shit, everything. So then what happened? They had, these companies had to pivot and that's where sugar came in. And, and that was really how the, the sugar, sugar industry blew up was because once we remove fat, which carries flavor, it had to be replaced with something. And our product, in my opinion, is such a good testament to proving that fat carries flavor. Because if you, you got a product with two ingredients, meat and salt, and you're getting fat in there, you're just like, wow, like this just, this tastes like an actual steak. Whereas, you know, steak, you don't really got to put much of anything on it. You just cook it up on a grill and you put some salt on it and it tastes beautiful. Well, that's a lot of that is the fat that is giving you that flavor. So um, I always like bringing up that story for anybody who, who who doesn't know that. I mean, that's a phenomenal book to dig into. Super book. And and I'm actually have been in contact with Nina to have her on the podcast well, as well. So I'll be really honored if she comes on too. It'll be just a treat to talk to because the, the book is crazy. And the doctor we're, I think you're referencing, Mark, is called Ansel Keys. Yep. Oh, man. Every every single carnivore, either doctor or person that has written a book, we all come back to that Ansel Keys fellow and his seven country study that was just ridiculously biased and changed the dietary guidelines in the United States. And we all suffered in our health because of it. That's why I love your product. Again, another reason, because you guys keep the fat in there and it's so good. It makes it tasty and is, is filling. Mark, let's talk about the number of product offerings you had now. And I admit it'd been a couple of weeks since I'd been on to count the number of SKUs. But I remember when I first started following you, there were three SKUs, I think it was Eye of Round, Ribeye, and Pork Loin when I first followed you guys. And now you're up to like 18. Is that right? Or something like that? Yeah, man. It's It's been it's been really cool. Again, a lot of that came out of the approach to wanting to, to buy more of the animal. But also it just, from a business perspective, it keeps it fresh. It keeps people coming back to check just to see what we have. Because every time we use a different cut, there's concern. Like, can we come out with the beautiful carnivore snacks texture that everybody's used to? And it just seems like, hey, if you're sourcing from a good farm, almost all cuts work out for us. And so we've been able to release a lot of products in a short period of time. Now, one of the issues that we deal with is there's obviously some cuts are a lot more um, scarce or you know, when on a cow, if there's only, let's say 30 pounds of ribeye, uh, you might get 500 pounds of ground. It, it's, you, know, you see, so it's, it's like the supply chain for the cuts that we can't get a lot of those will be released as like a limited edition cut. 
And we might buy that for like six or seven months to where we can build up enough product to release enough to sell out in like two or three days. Um, but then we just introduced a membership program, um, which allows people to basically pay $59 a year. Um, when they join, they get 20 bucks back right on the spot. And then that'll give them access to things like Wagyu, which is really hard for us to source, but really fun to make. And that product's been coming out super good. So yeah, when you get on, you'll see a lot of a lot more beef cuts than 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 what you saw from the beginning. A couple additional pork uh, cuts, and we're going to be launching a lamb shoulder uh, to go in line with our leg of lamb and ground lamb product, and uh, our first organ product. So it won't actually be full organ though. It's going to be a blend and it's going to be using bison. I think we're using heart, liver, pancreas, just a, a little bit of that thrown into, into uh, ground bison. And so that'll be coming out here in about two or three months. So there's a wide variety. Um, I encourage everybody to try everything. Uh, some, some people, like if you're not into fat, the eye of round really comes out great. Um, if you don't like the leaner cuts, then you can opt in for things like brisket or ribeye or leg of lamb. So it really is... Um, it's versatile and uh, there's a lot of cool options. Super exciting. I feel like a kid on Christmas morning now. You're telling me you're doing this organ blend one, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, uh, another one that I noticed that I have not tried is the tenderloin that you guys came out with. I think that's a members only one, if memory serves me, along with the Wagyu. Talk to us a little bit um, about that uh, members only. And you guys have a Facebook group that I'm a part of, which was where we messaged back and forth there, because as soon as you created that community on Facebook, I was like, I'm in. Um, yep. What can folks find there in that Facebook community? I think exclusive offers that I've seen and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook, uh, the Facebook group's been a lot of fun. I pretty much run that. Um, we've got about 3000 or so people in it, but I do. I like to give a lot of value to the people that are in that group because it's a pretty engaging group. So what I'll do is, is like, we don't have like an official product for some of the fat and crumbs, you know, because a lot of times when we're bagging up product and stuff, things can fall apart. And we don't like to throw that into the bottom of the bag to give any sort of poor experience. But there's a lot of people that want just the fat or just the cr or and crumbs. And so as we started to build that up, not just a business decision to be able to, to not have waste, but because there are people that kind of want, it's like a meat NOLA. The people are like, yeah, you ever think about doing that? Again, a lot of this stuff comes from the people in the Facebook group, these ideas. We create products off of their ideas. And so what we did is we just, we threw some bags together and we only posted it to the Facebook group and a, a lot of people buy. And so that's kind of how I've been treating the the Facebook group is pretty, pretty exclusive and to get feedback. And so, yeah, I encourage people to get into that group. And then in terms of the membership, not a lot of people like to subscribe and save. Um, although the best way to save on carnivore science, because we know it is a premium product, is to have a subscription and a membership because the membership actually gives you 5% cash back on all your purchases. So if you know, I'm sure everybody has a Costco membership here. It's really kind of like an executive membership. You get 2% cash back there on everything you buy. And what it does is it gets kind of added to your like customer portal on the website. And then at any point in time, you can basically click redeem and it will give you the gift card with everything that's been racked up. It's also our way to reward people that were already spending a lot of money with us. And then the, the limited edition cuts that are really hard for us to source, giving them a home in that membership 
is another way of saying kind of thank you for for committing and being a member with us. Although it is my ultimate goal to always find as much supply as I can to make it accessible to everybody. For example, the bison sliders are are only available for today and tomorrow to non-members. Then they'll move into the membership. And as soon as I can secure more supply, I'm going to slide that out so that everybody can continue to buy it. Folks, go join the Facebook community. It's a lot of fun. I remember when I first joined and Mark was in there asking a bunch of questions and he's absolutely right. There's some great feedback, especially people describing the flavors and what they like. And uh, it's, it's really a fun group to be a part of. One thing that I wanted to touch on during the production phase, the amount of meat it takes to get the end product. And I, I heard you guys say before, it's like five pounds of meat gives two pounds of product once it's done. Is that correct? Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, we're we're at uh, on average on the beef side, it's about a pound of raw. So it, it makes our our yield calculations pretty simple. Um, but yeah, like you know, for example, with with uh, ribeye, you're getting about a pound of ribeye raw ribeye in one of our five ounce bags. So yeah, I mean that's pretty close to that ratio. It's like five five to five to two or so, but. You know, some of the leaner cuts like chicken, you're getting 1.5 pounds of raw chicken in one bag. That's great, man. It really is great. And people will say, oh, well, I'm not sure. I see the price, but you don't realize how much nutrition you are getting packed into yeah. one bag of carnivore snacks. It totally is. It yeah. really is. When I started to really do that, and again, thanks to Danny and Mauro, when I heard your initial podcast you guys did with him back in 2020, I think it was, and yeah. I was listening to it, I was like, wow, yeah, that's true. Last question I have for you, Mark, on that point is Danny asked you a question at the time in terms of the macros on the product. I know you said it's about 24 grams-ish of protein in the ribeye product. Did you guys ever do any more testing on that stuff? We do testing biannually because it's so variable. It really is. It's frustrating because I want it to be as accurate as possible, which is why we run tests biannually and those tests are expensive. Um, and some, you know, it, it, a lot too, it depends on, on the supplier because how cattle, uh, the climate, right? So, you know, how lush grass is, like how nutrient grass is, it just, it impacts the product. So customers will notice that sometimes they'll get a bag and they'll be like, well, wait a second. I thought I was getting, you know, X amount of protein. Now it's like three grams less or two grams less. And I just encourage you guys to to understand that we're constantly updating based on the supply that we're using. So, and, and then another question that is often asked of us is, well, how much do we, how much of like the nutrients do you lose during the dehydration process? And believe it or not, through testing, it's only 4%. So it's really, there's nothing you got to worry about in terms of feeling like you're being shorted on nutrients from from meat like you know it's it, it's really not much of a loss at all so that's that's all i can really comment on in terms of the macros is is they do do change a little bit just because we are constantly um testing our, our new suppliers and stuff mark last question i have for you um again having talked about the new product offerings coming out for carnivore snacks what is mark ritz gonna be looking forward to for the future for himself and also for the company 
uh, carnivore snacks. What's what's coming down the pipeline the next five years for you, Mark? Any visions, any scope for yourself and the company? Yeah. I mean, the, the scope for us is to, number one, obviously to continue to to make sure the product is is coming out perfect. That's like our, our main focus. But number two, it's being a contributor and being a voice for meat and making it louder. And in order to do that, it's all about getting in touch with the right people. Um, it's about, it's, it, it's not just about running the ins and outs of the business, at least for me. It's about how do we share regenerative agriculture? How do we impact regenerative ag- agriculture more? And we feel like we're doing a great job of that right now. Um, just by our buying behaviors. So the more we grow, the more we impact the change. And like, that's, that's really ultimately the vision. You know, we want, we want suppliers to come to us. We want it to be that easy. And, and we do, we have a lot of people come to us, um, but then it's all about vetting it. So yeah, that's the vision is to definitely just kind of be a voice for me and make it louder. But we also want, you know, like Joe Rogan's been a huge, huge supporter of, of carnivore snacks. So a lot of gratitude towards him. Um, it's, it's really getting it like in the hands of people like that, um, who really have a lot of scale with their voice. And that's a that's a huge focus for us right now, because it would be cool. Man. It'd be cool to be in like the UFC and and uh, just people recognize the logo more, um, because I think ultimately that's what's going to uh, provide the impact. And folks, I said it before and I'll say it again. Say yes to meat. Love the slogan. <laughs> if, if I was voting, I'd be voting carnivore snacks all the way. I'm so pleased to have you on today, Mark, to talk about this because I love you guys. I love your product. Folks, if you have not tried it and you're watching this podcast, please go out and get some and try it. You will not be disappointed. And not only are they just good folks, they stand for good things like regenerative ag and keeping jobs in the United States and keeping it in-house. And what more can I say? Mark, where can folks besides the Facebook group find you guys online? Yeah. I mean, carnivoresnacks.com is the website. We do have a mobile app as well that you can search for in your app store. Uh, It's pretty easy shopping experience there. Um, On social media, it's just carnivore.snacks. Sylvia, I think is Syl. S Y L dot Tabor. I'm Ritzfit uh, underscore, I think. Where else? I think we're going to get into some Twitter stuff. Twitter, we found that there's a really, really good audience for people who are passionate about meat on Twitter. So I'm sure that'll be carnivore snacks, carnivore dot snacks, something like that. But look, anything we can do to, to, to spread the word and anybody listening, if you're customers, you're not customers. Um, you know, recipes, like just submitting those things. We'll be happy to share you guys on our Instagram, on our social platforms, to our following, um, to our email list. We have a large email list. I, I always love to just have the opportunity to share any of our customer stories there if we can. It's a huge part of our business is to be engaged with you guys and to ask you questions and to develop products based on those. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun thus far and I look forward to continue to, to grow it. I certainly look forward to everything that's coming down the pipeline for Carnivore Snacks, Mark. I wish you guys nothing, you and Sylvia, nothing but the very best. Continued success to you both. It's been an honor and a privilege having you on here today. Thank you for taking the time out and have a great rest of your day. Appreciate the kind words, man. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap on this episode of Carnivorous Chats. 
If you've made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening, and also thank you in advance for liking, subscribing, or sharing this episode. Thanks again to the good folks at Carnivore Bar and Equip Foods. Don't forget to check the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products. And also, don't forget you can book me for a 30-minute Carnivore coaching session. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Until the next time, be well. <laughs>